I ask you to please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Once you've located Psalm 63, I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. Hear the word of the Lord. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, please, to open your word to us and open us to your word. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. Please be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about surviving the spiritual wilderness. Now, I want to make sure you understand what I mean when I talk about the spiritual wilderness. Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt away from God? Has there ever been a season when you felt what we might say spiritually dry? We could call that the spiritual wilderness. In Psalm 63, we find David is in the wilderness. He is in what is literally a desert, a dry place. And he feels away from God. God's temple is in Jerusalem. He is in the wilderness of Judah. And he feels a sense of separation from God. He, he feels not only in a desert, but he kind of feels in a, in a desert spiritually. That's what I mean by the spiritual wilderness. It's a season when spiritually you're dry. You feel distant from God. And we learn from David, what do you do when you're in that time or season of spiritual dryness? Now David is in the wilderness, in the desert, for one of two reasons. We don't know for sure which. But David is having to flee Jerusalem either because of Saul or Absalom. 
There are a couple of different instances when David had to flee for his life. One is when King Saul was trying to kill David. Samuel had anointed David to be the next king, but Saul was still on the throne at the time. Saul was very jealous of David and wanted to kill David, and David literally had to flee for his life. There was also a time after David had been king for quite a few years that his son Absalom raised a coup and tried to take the throne from David. And David again with his men had to leave Jerusalem and flee for his life. It was in one of those two circumstances that has caused David to flee from Jerusalem, to flee from the presence of God in the temple. And when he writes this psalm, he's feeling that distance between him and God from being away from the house of God. But how does he handle this distance? How does he handle this being away from the presence of God? How does he respond? By looking at how he responds, we can find out what we should do in our seasons of spiritual dryness. And the key is in focusing on your relationship with God. In seasons of spiritual dryness, you focus on your relationship with God. Let me show you four things specifically. Pursue intimacy with God. The first thing I want you to notice David does, he desires intimacy with God. What David is seeking to experience is the presence and power of God. He wants to be close to God. He's away from the sanctuary. And you notice as you, as you look at the verse 2, you see he's remembering. I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. He's remembering the times when before he'd been to the house of God and he'd worshipped. See, here's the thing. He associates the temple with the presence of God. And in verse 1 you see he's longing to experience that presence of God. I, I, you are my God, I'll seek you earnestly. Look at it. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. He's thinking about the glorious times of worship in the presence of God at the temple. And now that he's in the desert away from the temple and he can't go to the house of God to worship, he's feeling that. And it, it, and it leaves a, an absence of something in his life. It, it makes him feel spiritually dry. He associates God's presence in the temple with the power and glory of God. You see it in verse 2. I've seen you in this sanctuary to see your power and your glory. What David, listen, here's the key. What David wants is to draw near to God because he wants to know and experience the power and glory of God. You see it? The, the temple is where the presence of God was. And David said, I want to go there because I want to experience the power and glory of God. He wanted to know and experience all of God that he possibly could. What's he seeking? He's seeking closeness with God. He's seeking intimacy with God. He's seeking to know God. And I want you to notice how he does it. How does he seek intimacy with God? 
Verse 1, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. Literally it says early. Early will I seek you. And it points to being eager. Eagerness. I'll be eager. In other words, the first thing when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I'm going to seek you. Eagerly. Early. And then he says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. And notice what he says here, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And notice what he's doing here. David is comparing his desire for God to the, to the desire that a man in the desert would have if he had no water. He said, like a thirsty man in the desert would desire water, that's how I desire you, O oh God. His thirst is deep and intense. It's so desperate that he's at the point of fainting. If you see where it says, verse 1, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns. That, that word yearns is literally the word fainting. I, I long for you. I, I'm to the point of fainting. He's desperate to be close to God for the presence of God. David is literally in a land where water is scarce. That's why he refers to it in, in a dry and weary land where there's no water. But it isn't water he longs for. Even though he really is in a desert, you, you might think water would be the thing he'd most thirst for, but it wasn't. What he most thirsted for was the presence and power of God in his life. He wanted to be close to God. Several years ago, I spent some days in the hospital. About three days. They wouldn't let me eat or drink anything. All I could have was ice chips for about three days. Now, having nothing to eat or drink for three days, if you're in the hospital and you're really sick, you probably don't have much of an appetite anyway. But I wasn't sick at all. They On a scan of my belly, they found a polyp in my colon and they thought it might have a perforation in it. And they wanted to keep me there for a few days to make sure everything was good. But I felt fine. So you may not mind going without food or water for two or three days if you feel, if you feel sick. But I was well and I was starving to death. I couldn't even have a drink of water. By the time the end of that three days was up, I'd have drank 100-year-old prune juice and ate stale crackers. I just wanted something. If you get that idea in your mind, you kind of... That's how David was spiritually. I, 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 just, I just need a, a, a glimpse of God. I just need a taste of His goodness. I, I just need to be close to Him. He's he craving God. Oh, how much better off we'd be if we'd long for intimacy with God like that. Listen, when you feel dry spiritually, you need to, you need to seek that kind of intimacy with God like you were a man. Or a woman who was in the desert with no water. When you're spiritually in the wilderness, listen, the way out is not to escape your circumstances. Did you notice that? David's in the desert because somebody's after him. But David isn't worried about being delivered from his enemies. What David's worried about is, all he cares about is, I'm out here in the temple in the presence of God in Jerusalem. I wonder when you're in difficult seasons of your life, 
Is the thing that you most long for to be near God or you just want your difficulties to go away? When you are spiritually dry, you need the spiritual bread and water that comes from Christ. You need to drink deeply of the presence of God and the Word of God. Listen, in, in a spiritually dry time, the first thing you must do is pursue intimacy with God. Here's the second thing, and it's closely related. You need to find satisfaction in God. We see this in verses 3-5. through five. Notice what David says. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Loving kindness, it, it speaks of God's mercy and His kindness that are a product of His love. His, his mercy and kindness, His goodness that flows out of His love. Particularly His covenant love. His love for people that He's in covenant with. His covenant people. It's God's faithful Kindness and goodness to His covenant people. What you see here is a picture of David worshiping God for His acts of mercy and kindness. He says, my lips will praise you because of all your love and kindness you've shown me. And when he says, my lips will praise you, that involves both songs, singing, and prayers, verse 4, I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. In the Bible, lifting of the hands is a posture of prayer. That's what they did when they prayed in the temple. They lifted their hands to God. In a sense, this prayer is an offering to God. And it also, it also signified receiving from God the things that you ask. So David praises God and he praises God and notice what he says verse 5 my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness my mouth offers praises with joyful lips so think about what David's doing he's meditating on on all the loving kindness that God has shown him over the years he's thinking about how God has been so good to him. And he says, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to offer songs and prayers. And, and he says, look at this. It, it causes me to be satisfied. Marrow and fatness is what it says. Literally, it says fat and fatness. And, and fatness is the, speaks of the richest food, the best foods. How many of you know the best steaks one with a little fat in it? Right? That's why ribeye is better than the sirloin, because it's got some fat in it. Fat's for the flavor. See, for these people, fat was not just about flavor, but fat is what gave them energy and sustained them. For them, the fattiest parts of the meat, which we might throw away, were the, were the best parts. So he's saying here, I'm satisfied like somebody who's got a table of the finest foods in great abundance. That's the kind of satisfaction he expresses. And then he says in... At the end of verse 5, he speaks of having joy. My mouth will praise you for joyful lips. Think about it. As David reflects on the, God's loving kindness, God's goodness, he begins to praise God. He begins to worship God. He begins to be filled with joy. He's overwhelmed with the knowledge and feeling 
Look, and look, he says that God is all he wants or needs. Did you see that? Look at it. As he talks about praising God and blessing God for his loving kindness, he, he says, my soul is what? Satisfied. The more he thinks, don't miss this, the more he thinks about how good God's been to him, the more he realizes God is all he needs and God is all he wants. Satisfied. God's enough. He's enough. Listen. How do you survive those spiritually dry spells in life? Listen, you have to get to the place that you know and feel within yourself that God is all you need and all you want. Or He's enough. All by himself. He's enough. Why is it the Apostle Paul could write, I know what it's like to be hungry and to be without food, to be abused and imprisoned and locked up, but he says, I've learned in all circumstances to be content. Philippians 4. What? How could he be content in such awful circumstances? Because Paul understood that God was all he needed and God was really all he wanted. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus enough all by himself? If this church can't offer you anything but God, if we don't have anything else to give you but God, Is that enough? Is it enough? Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon, who was the world's most famous preacher in the 1800s, he said, if people won't come for the preaching of the gospel, don't try to attract them with anything else. But you know what, for people today, if all you have to give them is God, it's not enough. you got to have all the bells and whistles and all the other stuff. Listen, when you're in a spiritually dry place, you know one good thing about being in a spiritually dry place? You, you, you feel such an absence of God. You feel so dry spiritually. You feel like God's so distant that, that you finally just get to the place that you say, you know what, you realize that what you really long for is Him. When you get in a place like that, you realize the emptiness of everything else, don't you? You realize that nothing else in this world can satisfy that dryness. Nothing else can really quench your thirst. You try all the, all the other stuff in life, but you finally get to a place you're dry and you realize, you know what? Nothing is going to fulfill this hunger and this thirst and this craving but Jesus. Boy, what a wonderful place to be when you come to see that. When you finally come to see that. I mean, let me challenge you to do a couple of things. How, how do you get to a place where you're just satisfied? He's enough. Well, you reflect on His loving kindness. When's the last time you really took stock, you really took time to think about God's loving kindness to you in the past? 
what's, when's the last time you really stopped to think about God's loving kindness to you in the present? How good God was to you yesterday? How good God is to you today? How your situation, even right now, reflects the amazing goodness and grace of God. When's the last time you reflected on all the loving kindness of God when it comes to the promises of the future? God has promised some wonderful things that reflect how incredibly good He is. When's the last time you really took stock of how incredibly good God's been? When's the last time you just started to consciously Praise God liberally and loudly. When's the last time you did that? Whether you felt like it or not, you just started to recount all the good things God's done to you and you just started to say it out loud, to praise Him out loud. See, that's what David did. I'll bless you as long as I live. I'll lift up my hands in your name. My lips will praise you because your loving kindness is better than life. And then what happens? My soul is satisfied. I praise you with joy. Where does that satisfaction and joy come from? It comes from taking stock of the loving kindness of God and just beginning to praise Him. Do you, do you hear what I'm telling you? As long as you're focused on your problems, you ain't, you ain't never going to be filled with the joy of the Lord. If you can't see past your aches and pains and your needs, if you can't get past that and see the amazing beauty and goodness and wonder of God, when, when, when you can get to the place that in spite of what's going on in your life, you can just praise Him, you can just thank Him, listen, that, that satisfaction and that joy begins to flood your soul. I need to move on. I remember one time I was shopping for a watch. Anybody that knows me knows I buy cheap watches. Cheap, I mean, this watch was like nine bucks. I don't put a new battery in them. I just throw them out and get another one because the watch costs as much as the battery. Uh, I tear up everything I touch, so I don't buy expensive stuff. I, I was in a store one time looking at watches, and I remember picking one up. And I looked at it for a minute and I said, eh, I don't think that's the one I want. I didn't find anything I wanted, so I left. A while later, I was in the store and saw another watch. I picked it up, looked at it. This time, I, I looked at it a little closer. I looked at it a little longer. I took it all out of the box and I tested all the functions on it. I tried it on. I looked at it. The more I looked at it, the more I liked it. I said, you know, I think I like this one. I, th I think I'm going to buy this one. This is everything I need. You know what? This is the same watch that I looked at the first time. What's the difference? I had to stop and look at it. Long enough and close enough and try it on and, and think about it. And the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. But when I just took a glance at it, nah. But when I really looked at it, that next time I really looked at it and I put it on and I checked it. I said, you know, that's, that's, that'll work. You know sometimes why you're not satisfied with God? You're not looking at Him long enough. You with me? When you stop and you really look close and you really think about it, 
you really think about his goodness and his promises and your loving kindness, then you can sing, I am satisfied. When you're in a dry place, you need to find satisfaction in God. Here's the third thing I want to say to you. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. We see this in verses 6 through 8. In verse 8, you see, the Scripture says, My soul clings to you. I think the King James says, My soul follows hard after you. Literally what it means is, My soul clings to you. Um, it means to stay close to. You remember... The Bible says a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife the same idea. To cleave to. Hold on to. Stay close to. David's saying, I'm going to stay as close to you, God, as I can. I'm going to cleave to you, cling to you. Now why does he say that? Look back at verse 6. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. See, when David would lie awake at night, he would meditate on God. Specifically, he would meditate on all that God had done for him and how many times God had helped him. Look at verse 7. For you have been my help. I meditate on you in the night watches because you've been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Over and over as David laid on his bed, he remembered, he recounted all the times God had delivered him from his enemies, the times when God had provided for his needs, the time when God strengthened him for whatever task lay ahead of him, the times when God provided all that he needed and desired. And David says, because you've been my help, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to stay as close to you as I can. I'm going to follow hard after you stay right on your heels because you've been good to me. You have helped me. And he says at the end of verse 7, in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. The picture is of a, a mother eagle and it's Babies, the, the baby eagles are held right next to the mother's side under its wing. That's the safest place for that eaglet to be, is right under the mother's wing. That's what David said. When I'm here close to you, I am safe. I have all I need. What David is saying is, God, you've been my constant helper. And because of that, I don't ever want to leave your side. I want to stay close to you. So he says, my soul clings to you. I'm going to stay as close to you as possible. Verse 8, your right hand upholds me. Right hand is usually the strong hand for most people. It pictures God's strength. It says, God, by your strength, you up." Hold me. In other words, he said, God, it's always been you who've held me up. It's always been your strength that has sustained me and has kept me from falling. When you're in a spiritually dry place, you need to stay close to God. 
And listen, the key to staying close to God lies in knowing that God is your support. That God is your strength. That God is your help in all situations. When you understand how desperate you are apart from God, you, you don't want to get very far from it. Those of you that were here Wednesday night know that we spent the whole time Wednesday night praying. We split up into groups and we prayed for different things. And I, I told somebody this morning, I, I know that's different for some folk. They're not used to that kind of extended prayer, but we need that. We need, we need to give ourselves more to prayer. We need to learn how to pray together as a people. We need to devote ourselves to extended times of prayer. Why is that so important? Because we don't realize how desperate we are. When you realize how desperate you are, you'll pray. You, you want to stay close to God. David meditated on all the times God had rescued him, and he gets to thinking, my Lord, without you, I'd be goner. And he said, God, I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't want to be a step from you. See, that's part of the reason he felt so distant. He was away from the temple. He couldn't go to public worship. And it, 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 and it, it really troubled David. He says, God, I don't want to be away from you because you're my only support. Think about all the times He's provided for you. How many of you can say there have been times that I wouldn't have had what I needed if God hadn't have provided it? Think about all the times He's protected you. I've survived two car wrecks that either one could have easily killed me. But you know what's even more amazing than that? The 100,000 other times I drove up and down the road and didn't have a wreck. So, well, God saved you twice. No, God saved me every time I get in the car. Have you thought about how many times He's protected you? How many times has He sustained you through difficulty? If you think about it, you'll come to the realization that it's God who holds you up. It is God who is your helper. Listen, if you know God is your source of strength, if you know God is your source of help, then you don't want to get very far from it. In my lifetime, I have spent a lot of time in a boat. When you grow up where I grew up, you just spend a lot of time in a boat because there's just water everywhere. If you've been in a boat much, you know the importance of life preservers. Now, I have to admit to you, most of the time in my life that I spent in a boat, I was not wearing a life preserver. Sometimes I didn't even have one. But most of the time, if we had life preservers, they were packed away in a storage compartment. We had them. The law required us to have them. But we didn't have to wear them. That wasn't the law. But you know what? If the boat had flipped or capsized, I'd have been in trouble. Because the life jacket was in the storage compartment. What am I saying to you? If that life jacket's going to do you any good, you've got to have it wrapped around you. When you know God's the only thing keeping you alive, you want to keep Him wrapped around you. 
You with me? If I'd been smart enough in them boats all them years to know that if something happened, the only thing keep me alive could be that life preserver. I'd have kept it wrapped around me. Oh, listen, David knew God's the only thing keeping him alive. And he said, I, I need to keep him wrapped around me. I need to keep him close. Now, I want to show you one more thing in the text. Fourth principle for times when you're spiritually dry. Seek justice from God. Now, this may seem weird, but I want you to understand something. Sometimes the situation we find ourselves in is a result of someone else. The actions of someone else. Think about this. David is where he is in the wilderness of Judah because of someone else. He's running for his life, either from Saul or Absalom. One of the two. In other words, he's separated from the temple, from the presence of God, because of the actions of someone else. Can I tell you sometimes the trouble that we have in life has something to do with the other people in our life. You know it? Sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes people discourage us. Sometimes people criticize us. Sometimes people mistreat us. Sometimes people cause us great pain and difficulty. And sometimes the result is we're left confused and we're left hurt. And it, it can leave you feeling like God's a million miles away. And you know what we do? We can get in a place where we get this mindset that we, we, we you know, we want to get back at those people for what they've done to us. We start dwelling on the, the people who've hurt us. You know, we do that. When somebody does something to you, it causes you to get in a bad place because you've had a conflict with somebody or they've hurt your feelings or whatever. You start, you, you get focused on that person and what they did, and the more you think about them, and the more you, the more you stew on it, the worse you feel. You know what I'm talking about? Do this. I know you do. But I want you to notice what David did. Verse 9, Those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. What's that mean? It means the place of death. The grave. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be prey for foxes. That's a picture of soldiers being left on the battlefield for the animals to eat. You see, the ultimate shame for a soldier who died in battle would be to be left unburied and to be eaten by the animals. And David said, they're gonna, God's going to kill them and they're going to be left to be eaten by foxes. They're going to be in shame. Now David's not implying that he's going to do this. No, 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 no. He's saying that God's going to do away with those who come after me. Those who were persecuting Him for no reason. What he's saying? He's saying God is just and God's going to handle it. 
God's going to handle it. You remember we said he could have been running from Saul. You remember when David was running from Saul twice? He had the chance to kill Saul. He was hiding in a cave. Saul came in the cave to relieve himself. And David had the chance to kill him, and he wouldn't. Why? He said, I'm not going to lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. He said, if God wants him dead, God will kill him. But this man is causing David so much grief. But what does David do? David leaves it to God. He leaves it to God to handle it. Now I want you to think about this. It's not up to us to take care of those people who hurt us and cause us to get in a bad place. In other words, you've got to leave that in God's hands. You've got to leave it in God's hands. What happens when you do? Well, look what it says. Verse 11, the king will rejoice in God. First thing that happens is you can be joyful when you just get to the place that you can let God handle it. Secondly, look at the end of the verse. The mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. In other words, God's going God's to deal out the retribution that needs to be dealt out. If there's vengeance due, God will take care of that. What am I saying? Sometimes the, the, we get in a bad place because other people have hurt us. The worst thing you can do in those times is focus on those people and what they've done. Let it go. Let God handle that. Put your focus on God. It's what David did. David said, God's going to take care of them. And in verse 11 it says, He was able to have joy and rest knowing that God would deal out any retribution that needed to be dealt out. Listen, you're never going to get out of your dry place if your focus is on all the people who've hurt you or all the people who've done wrong to you, you've you got to let go of that junk and you've got to put your eyes on the Lord because He's your source of joy. He's your source of goodness. Listen, if people speak evil of you, don't, don't do the same to them. If people attack your character integrity, don't respond in kind. When people try to cause you hurt or pain, don't respond the same way. God's a God of justice. Leave all that to Him. You focus on your relationship with God and He'll bring you out of that dry place. But it won't happen if you get focused on paying back those who've hurt you. Somebody said revenge is its own executioner. When you set out to hurt somebody for what they've done to you, you end up hurting yourself. The longer you hold on to that junk and forget to let it go, the longer you stay stuck in the wilderness. Let it go. Quit depending on other people to be your joy. Quit depending on somebody else to be your satisfaction. Quit depending on somebody else to be to you all that you need. None of us are exempt from times in the wilderness. The question is not if you will have seasons of being spiritually dry, it's just a matter of when. But when you do, if you'll focus on your relationship with God, not only will you survive the wilderness, you may even thrive as a result. Pursue intimacy with God. Find satisfaction in God. Stay close to God. Seek justice from God. Let's pray.